This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I am back again this week and I have with me author and speaker Albert Flynn De Silver. He is going to speak with us today about a number of different things, including his brand new book, Writing as a Path to Awakening, a year to becoming an excellent writer and living an awakened life. Welcome to the show, Albert. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's a delight. I am so excited to speak to you about creativity, writing transformation. I feel like you kind of speak about everything that's important to writers. First, I would just love to um, hear a little bit about your personal story, um, about writing and about transformation, if, if you wouldn't mind speaking about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I, I can. I'll give you the short version, because um, <laughs> I ended up writing an entire <laughs> memoir about that whole the whole drama of my sort of becoming becoming saved uh, by writing in effect writing in art really hmm. I, I grew up in suburban Connecticut New York uh, to distant alcoholic parents who who really weren't up for parenting and so they hired this governess from Switzerland who was very mean controlling um, and eventually violent towards my sisters and myself. Mm. And so I started drinking when by age 12 and by 19, I was a committed binge drinker, um, got into a lot of trouble, um, run over by a car. Oh my gosh. Hospitalizations, um, woke up handcuffed to a hospital bed with no idea how I got there, under arrest, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and eventually, I, I did actually finally get sober. I survived, got sober, moved to California, uh, tried to get a clue, <laughs> wound up in a, a, a cult, a psychedelic therapy cult. Uh, that's a whole other story you can read about in the book. Uh, I extricated myself from that uh, shortly after grad school, and uh, in which I was studying photography. And And there was one night... I was in the second year of the program, and, and one of my teachers, who was an art history professor, but also a great poet, Bill Berkson, he sent me off to this poetry reading, which I wasn't really into, and you know I had no, <laughs> I had no interest in poetry really, uh, but I had nothing going on that night. He said, "Oh, I'll go check out this reading. I'm going to be reading there." I said, "All right, I'll go to it." And so it turns out it was the release party for the Norton Anthology of Postmodern American Poetry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was this <laughs> huge event down at the Cowell Theater in San Francisco. And Diane DePrima was there, the legendary beat poet, and Lynn Hegenian and Alice Notley from Paris, and uh, Ron Padgett from New York, and all these amazing poets. Oh and I God. had no idea. Like, I didn't know poetry could be this dynamic, this mm -hmm. amazing you know, between uh, Diane de Prima's revolutionary letters and Lynn Hegenian's experimental um, sort of prose poetry hybrid to uh, Ron Padgett's hilarious uh, sort of modernist, postmodernist, surrealist poems. Uh, I, I, it was just a total revelation to me. Mm. And it was that night that I really became, I think, I identify that night as the night that I became a writer. So there's more to it than that, but that's sort of the, <laughs> the scattered abbreviated version. I feel like there's um, there's this 
I don't know, this trope for writers that you follow where, oh, I've always been writing. I grew up loving books and, and then huh. I became a writer. And your, your story just completely deviates from that. And that is so, so wonderful. I, I love that awakening moment. I love that realization moment. Um, and, and the fact that poetry could bring that to you, I, I think that there's, this is one of the things I want to talk about today, um, was just this beginning of your transformation through poetry. This might be hard to, to pin down, but can you talk a little bit about what in the poetry uh, moved you so much? Well, that's that's a great question. So I should go back and be a little more specific about that very night when Paul Hoover, who's the editor of the anthology, he he ends up reading a quote from Jack Spicer, who was one of the great Berkeley Renaissance poets of the 1950s. And in Spicer's poem, Imaginary Elegies, he says, the poet builds a castle on the moon made of dead skin and glass. It's just like, what is that? That's like the freakiest, most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and that you could do that with language was a revelation to me. And that it, it led into some imaginative zone of creativity that was that was kind of like it was living entirely inside of me. And I don't know, I just saw this kind of gateway, this this possibility that I wasn't experiencing with photography and it wasn't long after that that I a friend of mine took me to a, a sitting group a meditation group with Jack Cornfield in uh, up here in Northern California and and I started learning about meditation and in his talk uh, he he shared numerous poems and so poetry became this this gateway of transformation not only this this way of entering into the imaginative world of the mind, but also pointing towards an interior world of mystery mm -hmm. and and spiritual transformation and access to uh, allowing emotions, feelings, sensations of the body to move through you and release mm -hmm. and to kind of re-identify yourself in a new way that's that's virtually unlimited so i saw these as as two well i saw them as two sort of different things that came together as a singular path of awakening if you will that is so beautiful and so compact i feel like well you know you could write an entire book exploring that <laughs> which you have done um but i want to ask a couple things that i really latched on to um, in the story that you just told. And, and the first of those is uh, the word possibility. One of the things that really hooked you in, in poetry was this, this possibility, this imagination, this realization of these things inside you that were, that were possible. If you're a writer who's maybe experiencing some of that yourself, maybe if you realize all the possibility, you're starting to realize you have this very powerful imagination, how do you choose which of those possibilities to follow? as you sort of work toward your own transformation? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I think it, it has to do a lot with really tuning in to yourself. This is why meditation can be so powerful mm. for creative people is that you get, you sort of tune into subtler and subtler sensations of the body. You, you reconnect with that intuitive knowing 
that I think is innate, but that gets clouded over with all the conditioning. Um, and, and so you just kind of, you, you just sort of know, you, you kind of follow the thread of, of the most energy and the most excitement. And of course, you have to be open and aware and connected mm. to those points of excitement and interest. Uh, I mean, I, I can give you a perfect example. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I was traveling in in England, in the UK. I wasn't I, I was sort of not really that up for the trip. You know, my wife planned this trip and I was like, ah, I've been to England before. I, I'd much rather go to Rome or North Africa or <laughs> Turkey or somewhere a little more exotic. She's like, no, no, we're going to go see some old cousins of mine and, and it'll be fun. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so she ends up putting together this truly amazing trip. One of the pieces, which includes a trip to Hadrian's wall, which was, uh, which was built by emperor Roman emperor Hadrian in the year 120 something, I believe. And it's now one of these, you know, rare UNESCO world heritage sites and you can go hike along it. And there's oh. this giant wall that goes the entire length of England. So I had I didn't know much about this wall at all. And I we went there and I was so enchanted. We spent two days hiking along this wall and it was phenomenal. And and I just knew there was a writing project here. Mm-hmm. There there's something charged about this experience for me. I don't exactly know what it is right now, but I'm feeling that it's probably a poetry project. And I was very immersed at the time in working on uh, two novels. And so, but I just kind of kept that thread alive in in my heart. Mm-hmm. And about three months ago, I started working on this poetry project. So that's kind of how, you know, you just have to keep tuning into where the energy and the excitement and the enchantment is. I want to ask, after you attended this first poetry reading, going back to, a little bit to what you said earlier, what was your first step after after sort of realizing the power that this poetry like could have? Did you go back to your apartment or dorm room and just start trying to write poetry? Or what was your first sort of step? I think my first step was just allowing it all to sink in. Mm. And then my second step was buying the anthology, which I did, and then reading the anthology and trying to find things that resonated for me. You know, I knew that the entire thing wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm just going to love all this poetry. A lot of it I I found obscure and, and difficult and challenging at the time. And so I just honed in on those, mostly on those poets that really resonated for me. Um, people like Larry Eigner, who had cerebral palsy his entire life and was bound to a wheelchair and sat by his window writing poetry his, his entire life. He ended up doing something like 50 books with Black Sparrow Press, which is also the the press of Charles Bukowski. You know, that's how Charles Bukowski got his start, was through Black Sparrow in in Los Angeles. And nobody really knows about Larry Eigner, but he's just one of the most brilliant and lovely and amazing, just direct observant, you know, he's sort of a direct observer of the world, um, the external world through the window, but also into the window of the soul. So... I, I kind of started there with reading. That's the short answer. <laughs> I love it. 
I feel like when we take a life journey, um, when we're looking for transformation, when we're looking to become something, what is it do you think that we're really searching for? You know, I think one thing that we're all searching for is love and connection and community and acknowledgement. You know, we're all we're all looking for acceptance and inclusion to be part of the tribe that our voice matters. And this is why writing is so powerful and and such kind of this primal, urgent sort of uh, drive. I think it's because we want to. We want to shout out that we exist. Yes. That we're alive, that we're alive, right? And that we have something to say. We have reflections and thoughts about the world. And, you know, for much of my young life, I didn't feel like, A, I existed, and B, that I mattered, that anything that I could think or do or be in the world would be of any significance whatsoever. And that's devastating. You know, that's truly, truly devastating. That's why I was so self-abusive with alcohol and and so dangerous. I mean, in effect, it was suicidal. And so to to wake up from that, to realize that that on some level that my voice can matter. And, and, and it's for me, it sort of started with this inkling of interest. You know, one needs to be curious about the world. And, and curious about themselves and how they can make a difference and that there's that potential and that possibility for making a difference. And so I know that to be true, that everybody matters and everybody has the potential to participate in whatever way they want to participate, whether that's being a bus driver or, you know, being a nurse or a teacher or a, a dancer or a politician or a, a writer or whatever it is. Um, that's how you do your dance. You you get curious and you engage fully and you surrender to that practice as it brings you joy and contribution. That is so beautifully said. Thank you for indulging my weird rambling question with the perfect answer. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you um, a little bit more about how you fully embraced this identity as a writer, and if, if you sort of decided, yes, I am that right away, you said this was the moment that I became a writer, what did it really mean for you to sort of live into that? I think it has to do with the act itself of taking action and being, being consistent with it. I, I always say that a writer is someone who writes, and that's, <laughs> that's a direct quote from the, from the book <laughs> and you know a painter is somebody who paints a photographer is someone who takes pictures and you know there's a, an infinite variety on, along that scale in terms of, of how you want to do that and how much you want to engage and participate with that in the world some people just want to journal mm -hmm. keep track of their ideas and keep sort of in dialogue with themselves and keep that private and that's totally beautiful. That doesn't make them any less of a writer than a best-selling author who's published 50 books, you know? And it's just getting comfortable with where you want to be on that that uh, continuum. And so I, I just, I, I started calling myself a writer when I started writing. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, 
And I found myself committing and, and re- having to remind myself, though, too. And, you know, one of these things that I do now with my students at various workshops I teach, I have these little bracelets that say, um, I am a creative genius. And, um, and the other one says, I am a field of possibility. And it's kind of silly that we need to remind ourselves of, of these truths, but we forget. The conditioning clouds us out and we think, well, who am I? to be X, Y, and Z? Who am I to be an artist, a genius, a beautiful person? Well, you are, you are that. That's your, that's your birthright, <laughs> to be a creative genius, to be a writer, to be whatever you want to be, and to claim that, and to reclaim it, and don't listen to external haters that might, might deny you that birthright. We tend to take on the conditioning from our childhood, whether that's the limited viewpoints of our family members or teachers or um, society at large. And so the, the whole meditation practice is really a process of shedding all that conditioning and reconnecting with our natural state. I love the idea of meditation being a way to reconnect with ourselves, reconnecting with our birthright. What a powerful word that is. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. Well, and, and don't yeah. forget the, the, the subtle conditioning of the information that we take in every day through news channels, through internet conversations, through Facebook, uh, through those interactions. So I think it's really important to be very conscious about what information you want entering your consciousness, because that has an effect on your understanding of yourself and your ultimately your identity and your sense of safety in the world. You know, like if you listen to the news every day, you're going to think the world is a very unsafe place. So being really conscious of what comes into our, our awareness uh, shapes how we think of ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And what we think of our, our creative potential is, you know, there's constant little like comparisons that are happening and, uh, ways of thinking how the world is, thinking that the world is, is a very scary place. And if you do, you listen to the news a lot and you listen to all the political banter and uh, it, it's really terrorizing. You know, I think there's an aspect of news information that is terrorizing because they tend to really, the way the media is set up, they tend to really focus on all the terrible stuff that's happening, you know, and they don't, they leave much less room and space for all the beauty and the love. They somehow think that all this dramatic, terrible, violent stuff is is vastly more interesting, <laughs> which I totally disagree with. And I don't think I need to know about all these terrible things that are going on in the world uh, because I, in some ways I think it actually contributes to it. The constant fear reactions and the fear responses, I think it just it kind of snowballs uh, into more of that. And what we really want is we want to create more beauty, more connection, more community, not more fear and more terror. Oh my gosh, that is so, so important. This is a message that I really want my listeners to hear. It's something that I, I believe very deeply myself. How do we begin to be discerning about the sort of information that we let into our lives? How do we, um, how do we become people who 
are here to be a force of good and positivity and beauty? I think it's really getting clear on what you want in your life and what you want life to be, literally, because you are the creator. So you're not just the creator of the written poem or the novel or the story or the painting or the song. You're the creator of your life. You are the creator of life itself. And you you do get to choose. I know it doesn't seem that way a lot of the times. A lot of the times it feels like you're just being battered around by the, <laughs> the whims of the world. And yet the truth is actually opposite of that, that we that we are creators and that the more that we give our attention to those beauties, those things that support us in the world, you know, taking a walk in nature or in the, at the park, um, connecting with our animals, expressing love to people, um, not just the easy ones, you know, the people that we adore, but also expressing love to the, the more difficult ones and trying to make things a little bit better for them. And it just, what, what I've noticed in my own experience is that this, it tends to echo out and ripple out. And then, you know, suddenly it, at some point you find yourself wandering around in this like realm of absolute beauty and possibility and love and connection. And meanwhile, you're see like you're hearing all this stuff in the background of like, you know, all these terrible things that have happened and yada, yada, yada. But meanwhile, when your heart is is connected to creativity, to love, to joy, possibility, then you you live that, you become that, you become an agent for that. Um, and not to deny what's going on in the world. You know, you don't want to deny the, the physicality and the reality of suffering. But I think we can become stronger agents of compassion when we show up for beauty and when we show up for creativity and we show up for love. I agree with that so, so, so much. That is so powerful and it's so healing and it's so refreshing. I want to ask you about uh, your book that recently came out, uh, Writing as a Path to Awakening. And this is a year to becoming an excellent writer and living an awakened life. I don't, I don't want to ask you like, oh, what are your top three tips from this book? But um, I would love to hear in your own words um, how a writer might find this book useful and, and use it in their path to becoming a better writer. The book is really written for two kinds of people. And I mentioned the, the, the person who just coming into thinking about intentionality for their life, wanting to keep track of their ideas, their thoughts. Uh, their emotional experiences, and just keeping a journal, and and maybe wanting to even become more specific about their desires for uh, their, you know, how they want their life to be, and mm -hmm. and writing it down becomes very powerful because writing is one of the most powerful points of focus that we have as human beings, and in my own experience, when I write those kinds of affirmations and those directives about how I want things to be. Uh, repeatedly, when I write them over and over again, they start to become manifest in the world. And so it's almost like scripting your life. And so the book is very practical on that level, you know, writing about what you want in terms of relationship, about what you want in terms of, of money and abundance, what you want in terms of spirituality and creativity, and just writing into all of that stuff. And then the, the book is also for poets, 
novelists, you know, short story writers, any other kind of creative writer that wants a little bit more grounded spiritual intentionality uh, and to kind of keep the creative flow going. And so the, the book is broken up into 12 chapters and there's for the 12 months of the year and they're all themed. So we begin in January with rebirth and then we move into February, which is becoming. It's all about reading and how to become a reader for um, to enhance and strengthen your writing. Then we go to March, which is emergence. April, which is blossoming and all about poetry. Um, when we move into September, we get into story structure. Um, so it's, I, I'd like to talk about it as a very practical book, both spiritually and creatively. Oh, my gosh. So if people are interested in getting a copy of your book, where can they find it? At bookstores everywhere, <laughs> nationwide. <laughs> uh, you can go to IndieBound.org for your independent uh, bookseller in your community. Or, you know, it's it's on all the big sites as well, the Barnes and Nobles and the Amazons. And um, I don't know if you have listeners in Canada. I do. But, uh, Indigo. Uh, I was just up in Vancouver, which I absolutely adore. And uh, so Indigo and I forget the other names of some of those bookstores, but they all have it. And um, yeah, very appreciative of the support. I'll make sure that there is a link to the book in the show notes for today's episode, as well as a link to Albert's website. I guess finally, I want to ask, what is your favorite thing about writing? <laughs> My favorite thing about writing is the the mystery mm -hmm. of it. Like, I don't really ever know what's going to come next until I start writing it down. And always staying curious, you know, always being kind of excited about my own heart and mind, which isn't, you know, which isn't like an ego thing. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to create something so <laughs> awesome and amazing. Like, I don't know, you know, but I, I think it's just I, just the curiosity and the fun and the mystery of it and staying engaged with other writers and and reading uh, and just being awake to the, the magic and the mystery of the world. This is going to sound weird, but this recording session today has been very, uh, I don't know, rejuvenating, refreshing, um, very uplifting. Thank you so oh, much. <laughs> Thank you yeah, so much. Well, what an honor and delight. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Well, I'm so glad we were able to make this work out. I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a long time. I'm so glad we did. Um, listeners, once again, uh, you can find links to uh, Albert's books and website and all of those wonderful things in the show notes for today's episode. Albert, thank you again so much. What a delight. <laughs>